Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, if you grab them and go to Colossians chapter 4, uh, we're going to be looking at a passage that written by the Apostle Paul here in a moment, but let me just catch us up on the series we've been in, calling it Own It. Uh, we're talking about this, uh, this mindset shift. There's this principle at work in us. We'll capture it on the screen here, that our standards for what we own are higher than our standards for the belongings of others. We've talked about some examples of that. And we're talking about being an owner, not a renter, when it comes to our faith, that we want to we, we kind of raise the bar in our walk with Jesus. And we talked about owning the church and what that might look like. Uh, and owning our faith is about abandonment and allegiance that, that builds and grows spiritual authority. Owning the church is about being a people of orthodoxy, people of unity, and people of prayer. Um, and, and today I want to talk about being, being uh, people who own the mission that Jesus has trusted us with. And another way to look at this is this idea of, uh, uh, similar to a renter mindset, this idea of being a placeholder. There are people who are engaged in placeholder relationships. They're dating someone. They have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and they realize this relationship is not going to go any farther, and this relationship is just a placeholder because their head is kind of up, and they're looking to see if there's someone better is going to come along. It's a little bit twisted uh, approach to relationship, but, but there's placeholder relationships. And there are also placeholder jobs. Meaning I'm in a job and I'm working a job, but I really don't want to be in this job. I'm just doing it to pay the bills and I'm kind of keeping my head up looking around for something better to come along. And we understand that. But what I'm, we're trying to get here in this series is that, that look, this placeholder mentality, this renter mindset that, that if we're going to be here, well, let's be all here. And what would it be like to not just be a placeholder, but the question I'm going to be asking is am I, am I a placeholder or am I a stakeholder? Meaning, am I invested? Am I taking responsibility? Am I owning this place? So we want to do that with our walk with Jesus. We want to do that with the church family. And we want to talk about owning and being a stakeholder in the mission that Jesus has trusted us with. And the mission, Jesus in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, says really clearly why he came. He said, I came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. He was sent from the Father to seek, to pursue those who are far from God. And then when his disciples, when he was saying goodbye to his disciples right before he ascended, he said to them, look, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize them in my, my name. And then Acts chapter one, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you in power and the, and the Spirit is gonna empower you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, the city you're living in in Judea and Samaria, the, the surrounding area, and to the ends of the earth. And people who own the mission own the whole mission, and, uh, and, and, they, and they take responsibility for it. Paul, in Colossians chapter 4, if you know anything about Paul, he has definitely owned the mission. But now, he's in the latter years of his life, and he's actually in prison when he's writing this letter, and, um, and he's still owning the mission, and he's writing this letter, and, and he talks about specific ways that he has owned the mission. And it, it's not an exhaustive list, but it gives us a glimpse into his heart and how he has, you know, he was trusted with the mission from Jesus. He found Jesus on the Damascus Road and got a specific calling. Um, and he's owning that, 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 that mission that God's given to him. 
But in Colossians chapter four, we get a glimpse of how he's doing that. And I wanna talk about those four ways that he's owning it. And then I'm gonna flip it. I'm gonna talk about the four ways that you and I can own the mission. Because I want you walking out of here with some clarity about how I can, how I can do this. How I can own my faith, how I can own the church, and how I can own the mission that Jesus has trusted us with. So Colossians chapter four, it'll be on the screen here behind me. I wanna read it for us, and, uh, and we'll continue on here. Paul writes, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too, that God will open doors to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Four ways that Paul owns the mission. The first one is simply this. He, he understands that closed, closed doors can open. Closed doors, he's praying, uh, he's praying, uh, you know, pray that, that a door will open that I can proclaim this incredible news about Christ Jesus. It's kind of interesting, he's in prison, and I'm sure he has been praying that the prison doors will be open, but he's asking the church, frankly, to pray for opportunities, for closed doors to be open. He, he encountered people that were resistant and unresponsive. I mean, think about it for a moment. Think about people in, in maybe in your neighborhood or in your family, in your workplace, that you would describe as resistant to Jesus. I mean, you, you start talking about your faith and eyes roll, backs stiffen when you start talking about the gospel and about Jesus. And, and it's like a closed door. And sometimes the, 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 the temptation is that, that we want to we, we engage in this, want to start a ministry and call it jerks for Jesus and kick, the, kick up on the door. <laughs> Learn something from Paul here. It's God who opens the door. Jesus in John chapter six says that no one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him. You if, you, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, you need to understand, you didn't have the wherewithal to even pursue Jesus. That Jesus had to do a pervenient work of grace in you just to get you interested in spiritual things. That, that's what Jesus is saying. Unless the Father draws you, you're not, I'm not even gonna come close to him. There's this grace that he does. And Paul is saying, pray for those moments of grace. Pray for open, for closed doors to, to open. Um, and, and, and you know, sometimes when you're praying, doors fling wide open, and sometimes they, they just crack open. And, and Paul says, I wanna make the most of whatever opportunity comes my way. A year ago, Trina and I were with RTI students and some other staff. Uh, we went to the Middle East and did some work there, and then we came back through France to partner and work with the, the, the church in Toulouse, uh, Toulouse International Church. You'll hear a little bit about that next week. And, um, and then we had some days off, and so we, we left Toulouse, went to another city, and just took some days off, and one evening, we were just trying to find a place to, to get dinner, and there's these outdoor restaurants, and so we found one, the food looked great, um, the restaurant's pretty small, but they have a lot of outdoor tables, and there was this one table left, four chairs, and uh, the waiter uh, sat us there, and we realized there are actually two, two tables, but they were pushed together. We're grateful to have a table. As we sit down and get menus, we look and see that the, the, the waiter is bringing a, another couple um, to us, to this table. And, um, and he walks over, and we have to move bags and stuff off those chairs, and takes the, the one half of the table and sort of pulls it apart from the other. And, and I say pull it apart, he like pulled it apart like two inches. 
um, and seats that, that couple there. You, you ever had someone talk to you and they're like, they're like in your space, like in your bubble? And they're like they're super close and so you just t- kind of take a step back and they take a step forward and they just, they lack the, the social cues to know that you know, you're just a little too close to me right now. Uh, well, that dinner kind of felt like that. Um, they were just really close. We could hear everything they were saying. Uh, we, we understood they were, they're from Germany, but they also spoke English. And um, so it just felt awkward and we order food and we're sitting there having conversation and I just thought, you know, I just... Just break the ice here and talk to this couple, a younger couple. And so I said, hey, you know, I'm Steve. What's your guys' name? Where are you from? And they begin talking to us. And he's an engineer. She's a teacher. They're on a break. Um, and I said, well, how, how long have you guys been together? Twelve years. That's awesome. You married? And they said, oh, no. And then uh, so I just paused and said, well, today's your lucky day. And um, <laughs> this is usually when Trina says, excuse me, I have to go use the restroom. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, oh, why? I said, well, I'm a pastor. We could do a wedding right here. <laughs> and the gal, her face lights up, and the guy, his face gets white and pale. <laughs> and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, he kind of changes, you know, quickly changes the subject. And, you know, I, you know, I can respect that. I'm not going to be annoying. And so I just, uh, uh, we engage in more conversation and we're sharing a meal and talking. And I just get a, kind of get a little nudge from the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, I excuse myself from the table and I walk into the restaurant and ask the waiter if um, he could put their, their bill on my bill, which I'll just pay, pay for it all, pick up their tab. And um, he's like, oh, okay. So I, I pay for the whole bill. Uh, go out there. When Trina have done, done this, we, we will like to be the first ones to leave. Um, and, but they've suddenly wrapped up their meal and we were still <laughs> eating dessert and, um, and he asked for the bill from the waiter. And the waiter says, uh, well, actually it's already paid. Th- these guys paid for your meal. And the guy was just like, he just, what? And I'm, I'm not kidding. The very next thing he says is, what kind of church do you pastor? I said, oh, it's, it's, it's a Christian church. It's in Oregon. And um, he's like, well, if, if I ever come to the U.S., I'm going to come to Oregon. And I'm going to come to your church. And I said, That'd be, we'd love to have you come to church. And I could do your wedding in Oregon because I'm... <laughs> And he laughed and he kind of joked and, um, and, he, and he began asking more questions about church. And I said, well, and he said, I, 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 no, I really, I really would love to come to church. And I said, well, it's, it's your lucky day. Here's a web address. Here's our live stream. You actually can, can watch church uh, from Germany. We're at your home and see what our church is like. And I, pr- I preach, other people preach there. And uh, you can see who we are for, for yourself. And he said, I'm going to do that. And uh, I said, oh, that, that's great. And he took the napkin and wrote the information. And he and his girlfriend, they, they left. And, um, and that's the last time we've we seen him. And uh, as they were leaving, I just had this thought pop into my head. It was like, Steve, you blew it. You blew it. I mean, they were in the red zone and you fumbled the ball at the, at the goal line. I mean, you didn't, you didn't explain who Jesus is. You didn't lay out the gospel for them and give an opportunity for them to respond to the gospel. And th- those were the first thoughts that came into my mind. And, and, um, and, and then I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna be that annoying person that when the door cracks open, I'm gonna stick my foot in it and not let the person close the door. 
I, I realize that, that perhaps in this case, I'm just one link in the chain to someone on their spiritual journey, and I don't have to be the closer every time. That in fact, sometimes our job is to simply pray that closed doors could be opened, put a, put a pebble in someone's shoe, a rock in someone's shoe, so they can begin thinking about what they just heard or what they just experienced. And I've never, I, I never obviously, I'm never gonna, probably going to meet that guy ever again. I don't know if he's watching on live. He's ever watched on live stream. If you're watching on live stream, I got good news for you. I can do your wedding. <laughs> Come to Oregon. I have no idea. But sometimes I think that, that we, see, Paul owns the mission. And we, we get all, we get the highlight reel here. We hear amazing stories. But how often did Paul just put a rock in someone's shoe? and get them to think. And you and I get to do the same thing, than owning the mission. I simply just spent praying that closed doors could be opened. The second thing, I'm not gonna spend a bunch of time on the second one, is simply there's a cost. Realize that Paul is in prison, okay? He's saying, that's why I'm in chains. He's in chains, he's in prison. He's in a cold, dark, dank cell because of his speaking of Jesus. There's a cost in some parts of our world that when you declare that you are a follower of Christ, in some countries, you just disappear. And, and there's, there's other high costs that people are paying. And, and for us, typically the cost is a social cost. It's ridicule, perhaps rejection, maybe even a, a broken relationship. And you need to realize that, that, that there is a cost. There are closed doors, there are resistant people, then God can do a work of grace in their life just like they did a work of grace in our lives. And those closed doors can open, but realize that there is a cost. Third thing I would say this is, is this, that you and I need clarity. I find this fascinating. I find it fascinating that Paul is saying, hey, pray for open doors, I'm a prisoner in chain, and pray that I could proclaim the gospel as clearly as I should. And I read that and I go, <laughs> Dude, you wrote half, you wrote most of the New Testament. You wrote the book of Romans. If anybody should be clear on the gospel, it'd be you, right? It'd be Paul. And I don't think Paul is saying, I you know, pray that I, I remember the gospel. I don't think he's saying that. I think what he's praying is, there are moments where I encounter people and people from various backgrounds, different experiences, in some cases, really great experiences, in other cases, very traumatic experiences. And I want to be sensitive, and I want to be a person who can speak clearly to that person in that situation and do it in such a way that I don't put hurdles and obstacles in front of them. So pray that I can proclaim the gospel clearly. This very simple gospel of a God who's reconciling men to himself through his son Jesus. That Jesus he, he goes to the cross for us because we owe a sin debt. He goes to the cross and pays that sin debt for us. And not only that, he's put in a grave and grave, the grave can't hold. He conquers death. He's resurrected, which is a picture for all of us that the grave will not be able to hold us either for anyone who's in Christ. It's this simple, beautiful story of what Christ has done for us. And you and I need to know how to proclaim that with clarity. So... Put this date on your calendar, November 16th. Save the date. Because we're gonna do a morning where that's just gonna be the sole focus. We're gonna practice clarity. Because we wanna own the mission. We're gonna be placeholders or we're gonna be stakeholders. 
Are we, are we gonna understand that we can pray and closed doors can't open, knowing that there's, there is a cost, but understanding that clarity is of utmost importance. And the last thing I would say that in, in Colossians 4, how Paul owns the mission is um, that he, he just challenges us. You and I need to be challenged. Let me, let me read this again for us. Listen to what Paul says. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. You and I need to rise to the challenge of owning the mission. And Jesus tells a story. It's, it's a pretty shocking story. It's found in Luke 16. Let me just read it to you of why this is so important. Jesus says, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. And finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, Remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if, if, if someone is sent to them from the dead, they, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't, pre, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Jesus foreshadowing his own overcoming of the grave and the fact that people would resist and reject him. Friends, you and I rising to the challenge of owning the mission can change someone's forever. Do you realize that? That, that you and I rising to the challenge of owning the mission, being a stakeholder in the mission that Jesus has trusted us with, has the ability of, by God's grace, by the power of his spirit, of changing people's forevers. Destinies can be changed in a moment. When we're praying open doors, when we understand, there, yeah, there is a cost, and we have clarity, and we rise to the challenge. And destinies can be changed in that moment. Uh, this early this summer, um, you may remember we did a series uh, it was on hospitality, on, on loving the stranger. At the very beginning of that series, uh, Trina, Trina got a call, 
and it was from a friend and they had a friend of, there was a friend of that friend who uh, they're, they're in med school and they're doing a rotation. And this person's rotation was in Salem and they needed a place to stay. And so she texted me and said, hey, do you know of any you know, place someone can rent a room? And I responded and said, well, um, we're doing this series on taking the stranger in. Maybe, maybe we should do what I'm telling people. And, um, and we're like, okay. So we had a little interview and, and said, yep, we're going to do it. And so this young woman moved in our house. <laughs> Funny thing is that she actually moved in our house when we were at, in the Middle East doing the Middle East field forum. So she was in our house for two weeks before we got back. My aunt lives across the street, so you know, we figured you know, we'd, we'd get a report of something went totally awry. Um, and uh, we came back and we started um, to get th- to know this young woman and, and uh, she's just super sweet and um, built a friendship and she's only in our house for six weeks and it's coming down the stretch. And we've had conversation and some significant conversation um, that, that she has initiated. And, um, and, and then this, about a week and a half ago, it's her last night at the house. And uh, we're having dinner at the bar in our kitchen. And I get, get to talking to her. And, and I just kind of feel like there's maybe some freedom. So I just asked her, can I, can I explain to you kind of why I do what I do? And so I talked about the gap, the chasm, as Jesus says. He told the story. And how people, there's, there's a gap between who, where they're at and where God is. And God sent his son Jesus to close that gap. And I drew some pictures and super simple. I am not an artist. And um, I gave it to her. And I said, you know, she's got another rotation at another hospital in the area. So she's coming back to her house in January. And I said, maybe when you come back in January, um, I could tell you how to close that gap. And how you could know that, that you are, um, that you're good with God. And I paused and she looked at me and said, can I do that now? <laughs> and I said, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And so I just prompted her with some praying and she prayed such a sincere prayer. Tears just rolling down her cheeks as she is realizing that there is a God who sent his only son and allowed him to be treated so horribly so that her sinfulness and my sinfulness, our sinfulness, could be paid for. And it sunk home for her. And then I just showed her how to get on YouTube and watch some alpha videos as she's traveling along and and then she's coming in January and moving back in and we'll pick up the discipleship journey from there. But friends, she became a forever friend in that moment. And and yeah, it it was a closed door, but it opened. And there was a cost. I didn't know I was going to go. And I'm trying to proclaim it clearly. And and we got to rise to the challenge. And when we do, destinies are changed in that moment. Now, how do we practically own the mission? How do we move from this renter mindset to an owner mindset? How do we move from placeholder to stakeholder when it comes to the mission? There's four quick things, very practical things that I want to say to you. The first is this, be bold in your praying. Be bold in your praying. Um, and, and what I mean by this is, remember now, closed doors can open. And we're, we're, not, we're not called to kick doors open. We're called to pray and, and ask God to open those doors. 
One of the ways that I do that is I simply pray scripture for people who don't know Jesus. Here's an example, 2 Corinthians chapter four. Uh, It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. I just take that first half of that, that verse and there's this principle at work here that there's the, the eyes of the mind are blinded, so I turn it into a prayer. Jesus, I ask that you open the mind eyes, and I put the name in there, of, of that person so they can understand this message about you. Jesus, I ask that you would open the mind eyes of Susan so that she could understand this message. Because there's a spiritual battle going on to keep her eyes blinded so she might not understand, so that she might not be able to enter a relationship with Jesus. You put your friend's name in there. And you can pray this. You can boldly pray this over someone. John chapter 16, verse eight, Jesus says, and when he comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Turn that into a prayer. Here's what it could look like. Holy Spirit, I ask that you convict, put the name in there, I ask that you, can, you would convict Susan, or you can convict Jeff, or you, of their sinfulness. Convince them of Jesus' righteousness and their need for him. And we can be bold in that praying. Praying for, for family members or people in our neighborhood, people in our, in our workplace, uh, people that, that, um, that we, we've encountered. And we can also do that because we want to own the whole mission, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You may have noticed that when you came in on this side of the lobby, we have all kinds of pictures of our international workers. And below them are prayer cards. Look like this one. This one here uh, is one of our international workers in, uh, in the Middle East. And uh, there's a name there. There's specific uh, prayer requests on the back. And I think, I mean, am I a placeholder or a stakeholder? And I believe that if we're going to be stakeholders, then we need to pray for our international workers who find themselves in very difficult places. You can get their newsletter, keep up to date on what's going on. And I believe that each and every one of us should be not only praying for our, the people that God's, that God's put in our, in our sphere of influence, that we might influence them spiritually, but also for those we're sending. So you could grab one of those cards right out here in the lobby uh, after the service. It'd be another way to be bold in your praying. Here's the second thing. Be bold in your invitations. Invite your friends who don't know Jesus, who are far from them, to places where they might encounter and hear about Jesus. A great example, that would be church. Here's what happens when you invite your friend to church. You start to suddenly see church in what we do through their eyes. And you're sitting there and you're going, oh, Steve, please don't say that. Don't talk about hell. Ugh. It's like, you know, oh, we're preaching on demonization? Really? With my friends here? You begin to, now, here's the deal, is that sometimes because you're doing that, because you invited a friend, you see some unnecessary hurdles and obstacles that are in the way from someone understanding who Jesus is, and you can help us. So be bold in your invitations. Invite your friends. Here's the third thing I'd say. Be bold in your giving. Now, every weekend here at Same Alliance, we take an offering, and I say to guests or whoever is preaching, Jennifer or Brian or Rob, we we say, hey, look, if you're a guest, we don't want you to give. We don't want you to feel any pressure to put money in the offering plate, and we mean that. But for those of us who, this this is our church home, I I don't talk about this very often. I I don't like to talk about money, not because I'm afraid to talk about it, but I don't don't want us to be misconstrued about where we're just in it for the money. But can I just say this today? We're talking, we're in an owner series. Let me just say this. 
to us that if we're gonna be a, if we're gonna be a stakeholder, then some of us need to move from being placeholders when it comes to our giving. I was talking with our accounting department and asked them, you know, on average, how many people, what percentage of people who call Sam Alliance Church their home actually give on a regular basis to Sam Alliance? And, um, and, I, and they said, it's a little less than about four out of 10 of us give on a regular basis. Now, let me just say this to you. Um, you may walk in here and go, give, give, look, look at all the stuff they got. Look at, they don't need my money. Can I just tell you that we believe that God has given us dreams and we are being, feeling called to pursue them. And we also understand the Holy Spirit is the fuel for mission, but we also understand that sometimes it takes dollars to move those initiatives forward. And look, maybe we could even stop taking an offering if we were all in on this. And I wouldn't have to say, you know, hey, if you're a guest, let the play pass on by. I, I'm not saying we'll do that. I'm just, man, man, the board might talk to me later um, on that one. But, and I'm also saying this, let me just say this to you. I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not. Because when I went to the, to the accounting department and I said, hey, what percentage are, are actually giving on a regular basis? I also said, am I current? Do I need to catch up here a little, a little bit? Because I'm, I'm never gonna call you to do something that I myself am not engaged in. I, I just don't believe that's being authentic. And the fact of the matter is, is that all the resources that we need, and we could do so many, all the resources that we need to advance the mission of Jesus Christ are in the bank. The problem is, is that they're in your bank. <laughs> and we need you to move from being a placeholder to a stakeholder so that we can pursue this vision of a city at peace with God by putting our full, full weight on the accelerator. So I'm asking you to be bold in your praying. I'm asking you to be bold in your inviting. And I'm asking you to be bold in your giving. And it's really easy. Jeff and his team have made this easy for us. Here's what it looks like on our website or on your phone. Click on give, scroll down. You can do a one-time gift, a recurring gift. You can give towards a missions trip like the one that we just commissioned this morning. It's very easy for us to do this. And the last thing I would say is be bold in your volunteering. Nothing happens in this place that doesn't have an impact on the mission and vision that Jesus has trusted us with. Whether it's sharpening a pencil that's in the pew in front of you, whether it's rocking a baby in Omni, or if it's mentoring a high school student, or making a meal for somebody, I want to invite you to be bold in your volunteering. We've got outreach ministries in the lobby. You can go have a conversation with them. If, if outreach ministries is kind of not your thing, go to the Welcome Center, talk to someone there about how you can serve. And they'll give you a whole, just a whole bunch of opportunities and we'll find the one that you're gifted for, that you could serve in. We have standards for our ministries. We want you to be in the best place for you to be involved in the mission that Christ has trusted us with. Am I gonna be a placeholder or am I gonna be a stakeholder? Many of you, some of you for a very long time have been living as stakeholders. Thank you. For those of you who say, I, I need to step it up, I'm gonna invite you. Join us. Join us in this great cause that our Christ has trusted us with. Let's pray. So Jesus, speak to us. What are you, what are you saying to us this morning? What's the response you want from us?
Thank you that you're not a condemning father. You're kind. So we just silence shaming voices in Jesus' name. And thank you that you invite us. And you love us. And we love you. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to make the name of Jesus great. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.